Welcome into a Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we're going to take a look at Pro Football Focus's rankings of head coaches in the NFL. More clarity as to why the Falcons roster is in the shape that it's in. And it was a good weekend for the Atlanta Braves. Need to keep that foot on the gas and keep it going. All that, it's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into a Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We always ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, find us, search us, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, give us a review, tell us what you think about the show. Of course, we are also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download us today. You can go to Spotify, Odyssey, all your favorite platforms. Download us, leave us a review, give us a five-star review if you would, please, and uh, give us some uh, comments about the show and follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Looking at Pro Football Focus, who came out with their article uh, earlier today about the uh, rankings of head coaches within the NFL and looking at where Arthur Smith falls in this group. So after you get through the group of hall of fame coaches. And then you get into the next tier of good coaches. The group that comes after that number three is average coaches. So here's where they have the rankings at number 14, Nick Sirianna of Philadelphia, number 15, Doug Peterson of Jacksonville, number 16, Sean McDermott of Buffalo, number 17, Lovey Smith of Houston, number 18, Ron Rivera of Washington, number 19, Kevin Stefanoski from the Browns, and then number 20 is Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, quick write-up says, while Atlanta as a whole struggled in Smith's first season at the helm, his performance is estimated to be generally unremarkable. Now, here's what I'll say. Um, I, I understand that, and it's hard to rank a first-year coach, but we've talked about on this show before. The, the number one thing about Arthur Smith that transformed quickly here for this team was how much better they were in one-score games in the NFL. You know, despite what a lot of people think, the NFL is not a week-to-week blowout and 21-point victories and this, that, and the other. You do have some of those matchups because the bottom tier of the NFL versus the top tier of the NFL use the results in that. But by and large, the NFL is a lot of one-score games. It's a league where you have to be able to make a play here, make a play there that's going to affect the outcome of what happens. Even make a kick here or this, that, and the other. It's why I'm glad we have a guy like Young Way Koo because guys like that can really influence the direction of your wins as a football team. So the fact that they went from whatever it was, one in seven the year before to I believe it was six and two in one score games, it was a drastic turnaround. So I feel a lot better about the direction of it, just even in that alone. Just knowing that with a roster that honestly was worse year over year than what, you know, Smith, I mean, look at what Arthur Smith inherited. That roster was most likely worse than it was in Dan's final year here. The fact that they found a way to win a few games that maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't have, but they turned around their one-score victories. And I think as they build this roster, that they can build off of that kind of momentum. Doesn't mean the Falcons are going to be a good team this year. And we talked about this literally just a couple of weeks ago. 
you look at Arthur Smith's record, what's going to be in his first couple of years, it's going to be hard to go out and say, well, he's a really good coach or this and the other. But what does he get out of his players? Look at how Cordell Patterson, who had been a Pro Bowl player as a returner and a special teams guy, look at how different he was in an Arthur Smith offense. And where I think, obviously, Arthur Smith is going to make his bones is what he does eventually with the quarterback position. Can he make either Marcus Mariota or get Desmond Ritter to become, you know, a star caliber quarterback? And if not, can they draft the right guy to come in and lead this franchise and turn some things around? So most, you know, when, when you talk about NFL coaches, most guys and their success is based upon what they did at the quarterback position. Look, for instance, when we talk about those average coaches, you know, Sean McDermott is a guy that, no doubt about it, good offensive mind. He's probably a little bit better coach than what they give him credit for here. But having Josh Allen makes you look a lot better, right? Um, you know, it's <laughs> – I look at some of the guys on this list, okay? I, I think there's no doubt about the fact that even by the end of this year, you look at Lovey Smith ahead of him, you look at Ron Rivera ahead of him, you look at Stefanoski ahead of him. You know, look, the Browns are a Super Bowl caliber roster, but – you know, and they're hoping Deshaun Watson changes this. They haven't gotten a ton out of their quarterbacks, and they haven't gotten nearly as much out of some of their players as what they should. They have an immensely talented roster, but how much have they gotten out of that roster from their coaching? I don't think a whole lot. Ron Rivera, you know, I'm not a big fan of Ron Rivera, not as a person or anything, but just as a head coach. I, you know, I've always asked people, what makes Ron Rivera a good head coach? Well, well you know, he, uh, Chuck Rehe, um, you know, he played for the 86 Bears. So, you know, he's tough-minded, okay? Uh, what does played for Mike Ditka in 86 have to do with him being a victim? But that's the best thing to come up with is, is that he played for the 86 Okay, all right, great. Uh, is, does Washington look like a good franchise moving forward? You know, certainly, Lovey Smith has been a guy. Yes, he went to a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. You think he's going to turn the Texans around? Texans are a dreadful roster, and that's not a knock on Lovey, but... You think that he's going to turn that thing around? So I think Arthur Smith, you know, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, okay, I get that he's got a Super Bowl, but Jacksonville head coaches are typically three years and you get fired, right? So I, I definitely think that when you look at Arthur Smith, he's going to be here for a while and he's going to have a chance to grow. But this will all come down to what his quarterback play is. You know, and that's why that's the fascinating and intriguing part of all this. That's why I keep saying about, you know, the number one question I would love to ask Arthur Smith is what really is his offensive philosophy? Because now with a just cavalcade of running backs, a poor offensive line that they hopefully are going to make some changes or address or coach guys up or what have you like that. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. We're going to talk about this in the next segment about why the Falcons are in the spot that they are. Okay. If they can't start to coach up some of their draft picks, then this thing is not going to get where it needs to be. We talked last week about how many elite players do the Falcons have? Well, they have some guys on this roster that have to become elite that not, not can they, or will they, they have to become elite. You know, you have to have Ebba Katie and Drake London become elite caliber players. And so, I think Arthur Smith is probably about where he's supposed to be right now on these rankings, 
But I definitely think if you give him a year or two, I don't think there's any question that he's going to pass a lot of these guys by. And I still feel confident in the direction of what this team is doing and the fact that Arthur Smith is at the helm. I like what he's done, and I like the coaching staff that he's put together. All right, when we come back, this frustrated the crap out of me. I'm going to give you exactly again why the Falcons are in the state with their roster that they're in. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. It's hitting hard to hear with John Chuckery unlocked on Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, head over to youtube.com, put locked on Sports Atlanta into your browser, subscribe to our YouTube page. Of course, leave us a comment there, free and available also too, to download this on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. When you get there, leave us a five star review. Tell us what you think about the show. And of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We were just talking about Arthur Smith and where he comes in among NFL Ho coaches at 20th. And, and I understand. You know, look, this roster is really bad. You want to know why? I, so I came across an article that, that, and this this ticked me off. So came across an article talking about contracts and what kind of money we're looking at for 2019. Okay. Now, let, let's do some quick math. All right, let's see. Let's see. One, two. Okay, so that's three years ago that we're talking. We're not talking about a decade ago. We're not talking about seven or eight years ago. We're talking about three years ago. Okay. Guys that are coming into their big money years, right? Fifth year options, second contract. So this is what they're talking about with second contracts. And I'm looking through, they're saying Kyler Murray, $280 million. Bosa, $150. Brian Burns, $120 million. Timmons, $110 million. Quinnen Williams, $103 million. DK Metcalf, $130. Debo, $100 million. Devin White, $105 million. McLaurin, $115 million. Rashawn Gary, $130 million. Okay? And I look and I say, you know, where are we with our 2019 draft class for the Atlanta Falcons? This is the Falcons' 2019 draft class. Lindstrom, McGarry were both first-rounders. Sheffield and Kaminsky in the fourth. Kadri Allison, Jordan Miller in the fifth, and Marcus Green in the sixth round, okay? Now, why did I get so ticked off and aggravated? When you partner that up, okay, so that's two, four, seven draft picks in 2019. Then you partner it up with the six draft picks in 18, Ridley, Oliver, Sanat, Smith, Gage, Oluwakin. Then you partner that up with the six draft picks in 2017. Tack, Duke Riley, Harlow, KZ, Brian Hill, and Eric Sober. This is a franchise that over a three-year period, for guys who should be either final year of contract, fifth-year option, getting into the first year of their second contract, the Falcons in 19, 18, and 17 drafted 19 guys, 19 guys, and drafted exactly one guy that they're going to give a good second contract to and build their roster around. And that's Lindstrom. That's Lindstrom. Now, with all due respect to Ridley, he, of course, suspension and this, any other, but it looks like his days are numbered. So hopefully they get something of value for Calvin Ridley. But when you talk about McGarry, okay, they're not going to build around him. He'll probably be gone after this year. Sheffield and Kaminsky, they're already gone. Kadri Allison's hanging on by a thread as an Atlanta Falcon. Um, Jordan Miller and Marcus Green are selling insurance somewhere. Isaiah Oliver's back on a one-year 
$1.25 million contract. Deidre Sanat gone down to Tampa. Edo Smith, probably bagging groceries somewhere. Russell Gage, Foyer, Aluakan, because of no lack, because of not having enough money or deciding not to pay these guys, they're on to a different team. Tack, hanging on in the league. Duke Riley, again, selling real estate somewhere. Sean Harlow selling real estate somewhere. KZ spent a year in Dallas. Brian Hill, Eric Sober, those guys are, you know, hopefully trying out for the USFL and going to make a roster somewhere. My point is you have 19 picks in a three-year span. And for whatever reason, you've gotten one guy out of that that you're going to give money to to help build your roster around. You know, when people tell me, oh, well, the Falcons are where they are because of of uh, Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones and Deion Jones and all these bad contracts, uh, nah, 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 nah. wouldn't have mattered. Well, you have 19 draft picks in a three-year period that's in your home run window that you got virtually nothing right out of. Okay, it, can I tell you, because I know this, well, well, Ridley was, yeah, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. R Calvin Ridley's not going to see a second contract for the Falcons for whatever reason. Does it really matter? Like, for instance, if, if you stick your hand, you know, if you stick your right hand into a piece of farming equipment and it cuts it off, does it really matter the reasons why at that point? No, all that matters is you're going to be called lefty for the rest of your life. So the reasons don't matter. You're a team that made 19 draft picks and are going to end up with one guy of value. I don't want to hear about Isaiah Oliver. I don't want to hear about, by the way, I, I I don't know that I would have paid Russell Gage the kind of money that he got. Does Russell Gage look like a $10 million receiver in this league? I don't think so. But Tampa Bay can do that because they're about to win a Super Bowl, right? That They're in full Super Bowl mode. So I probably wouldn't have paid him that kind of money. Foyer, we can debate. That was a pretty good draft pick. But the fact is, is that, are you sure he's a $15 million linebacker? I don't know. We'll see. We'll learn a lot about Foyer because Jacksonville spent more money in offseason free agency than anybody in the league. They, they put a lot of in there. But the fact that no matter what reasons are, that you have one guy, okay, even if you want to say if that it had more money that it kept Foyer, okay, does that make you feel better? that two out of 19 draft picks really worked out to where you're going to give them second contracts. That's why the Falcons are in the spot that they're in. And, and that's why having all this money in this, and who are you going to give money to? Sean Harlow, Tack McKinley, Deidre Sanat. You got nobody that you can go out there and say, oh yeah, we want to hand, you know, we want to pay our guys this kind of, you know, money out there. That's the frustrating part about this thing as a Falcons fan is looking at where this roster is constructed. And that's why I say when we talk about getting guys to the next level, next step, Arnold Ebicady and Drake London, they have to be franchise caliber. They have to be elite. They have to be home run picks. This has to, this has to be the same draft that the Buccaneers had a few years ago when Tom Brady first came to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first draft that the Buccaneers had with Tom Brady, knowing he was going to be their quarterback, they flipped spots with the San Francisco 49ers, right? 49ers took uh, Kinlaw, 
and the and the Buccaneers took Tristan Wirfs with that pick. Then they doubled down in the second round. They went with Antoine Winfield. Okay. They hit two grand slams with their first two picks. You got two all NFL players out of all of it. And, and when you do that, even as Brady comes, he goes, he starts, he stops, and Gronk starts and stops. Those are guys that you build your roster around, and you're going to keep in the fold for the long term. Here, we've drafted so bad, and we haven't been able to figure things out that one or two guys out of 19 would have really been worth giving second contracts to. And yes, they found some players here and there and things like that. But if you can't keep your guys and you don't draft well enough to offer some of your guys big ones, notice how not a single Falcon was in that discussion. Even Lindstrom, I mean, wasn't in the discussion of $100 million guy and this and the other. I mean, it's one thing if they walk away and they're $100 million guys, you know, that, that become top guys in the league. Maybe you can't, maybe you don't want to spend that kind of money. But it's just maddening that looking at those three drafts, 19 draft picks that you got one guy that you're going to end up building your roster around. That's why the Falcons are in this position of what are we going to be needing a new head coach, needing a new GM, and we're just fledgling around with this roster. Better hope that Ebicady and London become big-time home run hits. All right, when we come back, uh, great weekend for the Atlanta Braves. Is this the turning point? Are we where we need to be? Let's talk some Braves baseball up next. Is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into the browser. Find our webpage there and uh, subscribe to the channel and uh, leave us a comment. Uh, also free and available to download this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, all your favorites. Leave us a five-star review when you get there as well. And then, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, it was a hell of a weekend uh, for the Atlanta Braves. A hell of a four-game set on a five-game streak winning streak uh, right now with that final game in Arizona and then the four in Colorado. Look, this is what we talked about, that this has to be the turning point of the season. There is no waiting for another stretch of games to come along and get yourself better because it's the combination of, like we talked about, 13 games against the dregs of the universe, the low-life Rockies, the despicable A's, the dreadful Pirates, and the god-awful Nationals. You have to take advantage of that. And we talked about this last week, about 10-3, and 11-2. And, and that may be some pie in the sky, but you saw over the weekend, this team's capable of running off. And obviously, what and look, I understand it's Coors Field, and you know the game on Friday night was pretty wild because Max Fried was, what, eight innings of two-hit shutout ball, was magnificent. And they had to go to extra innings just to even get some runs, you know, out there. But the Braves offense in this five game winning streak has come up with 36 runs in their last five games. I'll take that all day long over seven runs a game. I understand Coors Field and that gets inflated. We'll see what happens now that they're going to be home starting tomorrow against a couple with Oakland, four with Pittsburgh, and then they'll hit the road to take on the god-awful Washington Nationals. But this is exactly what we talked about. And by the way, in this, even just remember, we described the the thirteen game set for the Braves and the thirteen game set coming up for the Mets, and we talked about can you find a way to get four to six games made up on the division? Well, the Braves have picked up two games already. Braves have already found a way to pick up two games in all of this. 
This is the stretch. And I don't know if it's make or break, but it's make or break. Because if you can't, if you can't make up games now, if you can't get on a roll now to get this season going and you can't make up games now, I don't know when you're going to find it. This is all put on a platter for the Atlanta Braves. And they took advantage of that by sweeping the Rockies this, this weekend. Four games set, they sweep the Rockies. Now they'll come home. And now you've got to make sure that you take care of your business against the A's and the Pirates. You know, we talked last week about the Pirates are crazy, right? They they took the season series from the L.A. Dodgers. That they, they literally won the season series from those guys. So, you know, anything can happen in baseball, right? Baseball is one of those weird things that your your momentum is as good as what your next day starting pitcher is. But you can't let the Pirates come in here and act like that they're big balls willy and take over. Yeah, you got to keep going. This next game where you've got this next stretch where you've got two with Oakland and four with the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, that has to be five and one. Has to be five and one. And then you go on the road to the Nationals and, you, you know, you got a three game set there and you take, let's say, you take two out of three there. OK, so you ended up going the 11 and two that we talked about. And worst case scenario is you end up with 10 and three. Can't be anything less than 10 and three right now and you saw the signs and everything pointing upward that the bats are getting cranked up they had some timely hitting how about the fact that they won a couple not one they won multiple extra inning games crazy to think about the fact that Coors Field would have had extra inning games after a 13-6 start in that series but the fact that the Braves found a way those are all signs that we can take from this weekend that tell you okay this thing looks like it's turning around. Max Freed, outstanding. So we know we've got lockdown. Our pitching got us through what we had to do. Strider looks like he's coming around. He's probably going to get some more starts in that in that fifth spot in the rotation. You look and say, okay, Duvall homered. Ronnie had a homer. Olsen had a big weekend series. Riley did some really good things. Maybe this core of guys, you know, we joked about the fact that we called out Travis Darno the other day and said it's time for Darno to, you know, play catcher every day. Well, lo and behold, that very next night, Darno obviously, you know, listening to us on Spotify or Odyssey on YouTube, took it to heart and said, I got to prove Chuck Ree wrong. We all know that he had it in the dugout and had to prove me wrong. I get that. I mean, we all understand. Wink, wink, right? Um, but no, you saw a lot of guys that, like we talked about, maybe being in Coors Field, for four games, a nice little four game set in Coors Field, get yourself healthy and right. Maybe, maybe it's a chance to kind of fix some things and know that, hey, I can get away with some things in this ballpark because it is a hitter's haven, even as big as it is. You saw even some of the outs that the Braves made. You saw a few of those on, on the fan grass and things like that, that, you know, Ronnie had a couple of fly balls that would have been out in like 16 of the 30 ballparks in in baseball right you feel like that the braves are now finally hitting their stride and again this is all going to be about getting their offense on track to where it needs to be producing night in and night out you don't need all nine guys night in night out to produce but what you can't have is five or six guys every single night that aren't giving you anything you know, the other night was was maddening because the Braves couldn't find any runs, and yet they got like five or six hits out of Ronnie and Dansby at the top of the order. When those guys are on that much, you got to have the middle of your order 
come through and find a way to knock a few of those guys in at some point. And that's the part that's killed the Braves this year is you can't find any consistency in some guy. Look, if you could get, let's say, two or three guys in the middle of your order, if you can get Olsen and Riley, for instance, okay, to get themselves on an extended hot streak. Riley's been obviously hot here of late. Olsen seems like he's figuring some things out. You can get a couple of those guys in the middle of your order because Dansby and Ronnie have done a good job at the top. They've done a good job of getting on base. Even Michael Harris has done a good job of at least getting on base. If you can find a couple of those guys through the middle of your order to get consistent and be what we think that they're going to be, you're going to be in really good shape. And then you're going to mix in Duvall and Ozuna and Darno and Ozzy. You're going to find some of those guys that are going to just work themselves in, you know, as well. So my point is, is that this was a really good sign offensively for what the Braves did. Let's see these next six games coming up. How much was Coors Field? How much was the offenses fixed? You know, we, we're trying to come up with these narratives. At least we broke that. We haven't won three games in a row. Now you're on a five-game winning streak. I would think they're coming back with immense confidence right now, and you expect this team to keep this train moving, especially given about some of the lower competition. But if the Braves can't find a way to get it done now in this stretch, you know, even with the Mets taking two out of four, the good news is, like I said, you picked up two games. So you have to just keep winning and expecting the Mets to lose. And then, like I said, we get through this 13-game stretch, and all of a sudden the lead, which was 10 and a half when this thing all started, if that gets down to, let's say, five and a half, six and a half games or what have you, okay, the Braves have done their job. And now if you've kind of almost cut that lead in half, as we head through, now you feel like you've got a shot. Now, now you feel like you're not just kind of treading water and the Mets are, you know, just too good of it. You feel like you've got a shot with all of this. So we'll see what happens, but a great weekend for the Braves. And most importantly, is feels like the offense have gotten things cranked up and going. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Don't forget, make your second listen A to Z with Mark Zeno. Mark Zeno is back in Atlanta giving his opinion. So opinions that you know that you may not like at times, but you know you got to hear them. So you can find him free and available on our YouTube page. Head over to Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe there. Also available, free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Download uh, it today. Give us a five-star review. Find me on my Twitter page, excuse me, at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta.